So in our continuing meander through television, we uh, in the last couple of weeks we watched um, Hilarious House of Frightenstein, and you can't do that on television as like the uh, sort of the wilder side of Canadian kids TV. So then this week to uh, take the other side of the coin, I was gonna kind of skip out on these of uh, like Mr. Dress Up and Friendly Giant and like the the nice kids shows, but. Uh, then we decided to to go that way because Friendly Giant in particular, I didn't realize it stretched back as far as it does. So, you know, like you were saying how your youngest sister, it was on TV a bit when she was little and stuff. We'll get to that second, though, because like, we're going to do Mr. Dress Up first. So it's weird. It's like I, I feel like maybe the nostalgia will be kind of neat. These are obviously not going to be like riveting shows to watch. You know, it's just kind of nice to go back to them. But a good excuse to look stuff up, because I just learned a bunch of weird stuff that I didn't realize about these shows. And it's just weird that I happened to coincidentally pick these two, Friendly Giant, because you remember it more, and Mr. Dress Up is the one I remember more. I mean, I saw both of them as a kid. But there's a lot of strange similarities between these two guys, Mr. Dress Up and Friendly Giant, that I had no idea. But we'll do Mr. Dress Up first. So it ran from 1967 to 1996 with 4,000 episodes. <laughs> Mr. Dress of 1967, geez, I would have thought he was around earlier than that. See, anyway. see whereas both in both these cases, I thought the opposite. Because I was a kid in the 80s, I thought these shows were new in the 80s. <laughs> I didn't know either of them went back far like this. Uh, it replaced a show called Butternut Square, which ran from 1964 to 1967, which here I've got. It's weird, this is what's on YouTube. I don't know what this is because it's not like a an actual clip. It's just little bits, so it doesn't really make sense. But I'll show it to you real quick just to see old school uh, Ernie Combs as he played Mr. Dress Up on this show, and Casey and Finnegan were also on this show. And then, yeah, I don't know where this came from, but now it just keeps cutting. It doesn't show anything that makes any sense. So anyway, but that's just a little, just a little example of this was the show first. And uh, that, that's where Mr. Dress Up came from. He was the guy on the show who had the tickle trunk who, uh, that always had the outfit that he needed. And Casey and Finnegan, the puppets, were on it. So they basically just, when that show got canceled, they were like, well, let's just make Mr. Dress Up have his own show. <laughs> so that's where that came from. And then Mr. Dress Up, you know, went on for forever. And uh, yeah, and it's weirdly related to Mr. Rogers a lot more than I thought. Like, as a kid, I always just thought, you know, Mr. Dress Up, Mr. Rogers, it's natural to conflate them because it's such similar shows. And like I was saying last week, I didn't even realize one was Canadian, one was American. I had no idea that anything was Canadian back then. <laughs> you know, I just was like, just thought it was TV. But uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. So it took me a little while to untangle this because they, they kind of bury the lead where they say, Mr. Dress Up was Mr. Rogers's understudy, but then it says Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was often compared to Mr. Dress Up, but Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood debuted a year after Mr. Dress Up. So I was like, what the fuck's going on here? So I dug in a little more and here's what's going on. Right away, surprised that Ernie Combs is not Canadian. He was born in Lewiston, Maine. So I mean, almost very close to Canada, you know, Maine is just just south of us, but technically was not a Canadian. Uh, then Fred Rogers had a regional show called The Children's Corner in Pittsburgh, and Ernie Combs was his assistant puppeteer when they, oh, okay, no, so it was a show in Pittsburgh, and then they moved this Children's Corner show to Canada to do a 
Canadian regional version of it, and that's when Ernie Combs became his assistant puppeteer for the Canadian version. And then after that show ended, they basically pitched Ernie Combs, hey, what, do you want to stay in Canada and be on this Butternut Square show? And he's like, yeah, all right. And then that became Mr. Dress Up, and he just ended up staying in Canada for the rest of his life. He became a Canadian citizen. He received the Order of Canada. That's that, uh, that award mm-hmm. I mentioned last week that everybody gets that I couldn't remember the name. And then uh, he passed away in Pickering, Ontario in 2001. So yeah, he basically hitchhiked to Canada on the back of Mr. Rogers. And after Mr. Rogers went back to America, Ernie Combs just stayed here and Canadian did up. Yeah, became Mr. Dress Up. Yeah. Canadian icon. So that's kind of neat. So he is, I mean, we're not wrong. He basically is Canadian and it was a Canadian show, but technically started, (laughs) you know, started in America. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, and uh, this episode we're going to watch, it was on YouTube. It's uh, season 17, episode 6 from 1983. So this is more in the era that I would remember more. And, uh, and then, like I said, there's a lot of parallels between him and the Friendly Giant, but I'll get into that when we do the Friendly Giant half. So for now, yeah, we'll just watch this, season 17, episode 6 of Mr. Dress Up, which, yeah, like I feel like like I remember this show pretty well, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And even reading through it, even stuff like Casey and Finnegan that were on every episode, I was like, oh yeah, right, that's what they were called. <laughs> you know, like, I just haven't thought about it in many decades. We should get the music soon. <laughs> I don't remember that either, but I'm sure it'll all come flooding back. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so all right so there's uh mr dress up and uh you know i guess it's pretty pointless to criticize mr dress up obviously i'm an adult now and uh, you know he did his job properly at the time i thought the show was great so yeah sure nowadays i think it's kind of boring but why wouldn't i you yeah know? you're a 40 year old man now. yeah yeah <laughs> it'd be weird if i was still like way into it like i'm gonna go watch a bunch of these but if you look at it from try to remember what it was like being a little child it was not bad and what i liked about it he didn't talk down to people he talked to those children in the audience as if they were grown-ups or regular people and i did kind of like like i was saying last week that uh i always kind of respected how blues clues had a half hour long single narrative that you're kind of supposed to focus on and uh, Mr. Dressup is similar-ish to that. Maybe Mr. Rogers was too, I don't remember. Like, you know, they do different stuff, but it is like, it's not, uh, let's move it along. You know, it's not the, the Sesame Street, make sure everything's always changing all the time. Uh, you know, I, I kind of respect that it, it's like, yeah, let's just focus. You get a slow pace. Yeah. You had to watch him set up for the bank while they played bank. He didn't just say, oh, we're at the bank now. He actually set it up and told you how you'd set it up if you were doing that kind of make-believe, the cutting up the little doll's dress, you know, he, he didn't just have the sock and everything already there. He actually got out his little sewing box and he took out the scissors and he took out the sock with the hole in the heel and he and he actually created it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, which in real life is how what you would have to do. you got to do some preparation. Yeah, and it is funny, though, to watch it again as an adult and just to realize, like, I'm not cut out for that world at all. Like, if I was making that show, I would constantly be thinking about the adults who might have to watch this with their kids and, like, what can we 
what can we do here to make them entertained? What weird stuff can we slip in there that kids aren't going to notice that adults will think is funny? They obviously didn't care about that at all. This is an actual show well, for kids. Yeah, and 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 the thing that was good about it is, yeah, you shouldn't think about adults because in the real world, here's what adults were doing. The little kitty was sitting there watching TV. Mom was out either cooking, cleaning, washing the dishes, keeping an eye maybe on little buddy and the TV, but she wasn't sitting down there watching that yeah. with him. She had things to do. Right. So then uh, the next thing, Friendly Giant, like I was saying, is very surprising how many parallels there were between these shows that I had no idea about. Even that there's a Canadian connection to Friendly Giant, I had no idea till today, till this morning when I looked this up. <laughs> like, I had no sense that this was Canadian in any way. But much like Mr. Dress Up, it's sort of a mix. It's, a, again, like I said, very similar. So this show ran from 1953 to 1985 with 3,000 episodes, so in the similar ballpark, but it ran from 1953 to 1958 in America, and then in 1958 to 1985, it became a Canadian show. Really? It yeah. ran in the States. So just, just like Mr. Okay. Dress Up started in the States, and Bob Holm, who played the Friendly Giant, was born in Stoughton, Wisconsin, another American Canadian. This guy wasn't born in Canada. And, uh, and it's like how uh, Mr. Dress Up was from Maine. Wisconsin's one of those places like Upper Michigan or even kind of Montana. They're almost Canada. <laughs> you know, they're extremely close. Wisconsin is definitely gives me those Canada vibes. So this dude, Bob Holm, he worked in radio. And him and his wife had this idea for they wanted to do a kid's show. The idea of a friendly giant as like the opposite of like the Jack and the Beanstalk view of a giant, the big scary giant. They thought it would be cool to have a friendly giant and uh, also wanted the show to be laid back as opposed to uh, the specific example they gave high energy characters like Howdy Doody. <laughs> None of that's, you know, let's get all worked up and stuff. It's like, let's take it down. Let's calm down. So that's also very Mr. Dress up -y. So the show started in America in uh, Wisconsin, but then moved production to Canada and uh, yeah, again, it's just like, as far as I can tell, same thing as Mr. Dress Up. Like, it was starting to run its course in America, and then Canada was like, well, come on up. We'll give you decades. <laughs> we'll never stop. <laughs> and again, this guy moved to Canada and never left. Just became an honorary Canadian. So uh, not an honorary, an actual Canadian. Oh, and it was uh, very loosely scripted. He wanted it to be based on this, like, comfortable repartee that, uh, like, the classic radio duos would have, you know, like, just Burns and Allen or whoever, you know, just bantering on radio. He wanted that kind of thing. So, yeah, he became a Canadian citizen. He received the Order of Canada in 1998. Now oh, another one. Okay. Yep. And, uh, the way um, Mr. Dressup passed away in 2001, Bob Holm died in Grafton, Ontario in 2000. So they even died around the same time and in the same geographical area of Canada. <laughs> like, just really strange how it's like you could switch the names on these articles and it would be almost the same, you know, almost the same story. So uh, since these are short, they're only 15 minutes each, I found two episodes. I found an episode from the 1960s that was just on YouTube as The Friendly Giant with no other information, <laughs> but it said in the description, 1960s. So you have to dig a little to find that one on YouTube. And then one from the 80s, from my era, uh, is called Music of the World from 1982. So we can watch one of the old black and white ones and one of the 
new quote-unquote color ones that would have been more what I saw when I was a kid. I did find one of the really old ones from like the 50s from the Wisconsin run, but they were a half hour back then. And I feel like that's, it's just not, uh, it's not right. <laughs> that ain't the friendly giant as we know it. Yeah, no, 15 minutes is, it would be enough. And yes, yeah, so you were saying that, because again, this was a show I assumed was just for, from my era, I didn't know it stretched back so far, but you were saying how with your youngest sister, it was, she was watching this? Heck time? no, I was watching that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that in that time frame. And they had that lovely theme song, Early One Morning. Right. Early one morning, just as the sun was rising. And in fact, that song, I remember being in like grade two in school, and we learned that song. And everybody, oh, that's a Friendly Giant music. Friendly Giant song. I guess it's like, yeah, when you hear like the William Tell Overture or or any classical song that was in Bugs Bunny, all that stuff that you're like, oh, that's from this. (laughs) So yeah, we'll just watch these two. And I guess this will be kind of interesting too, just to see kind of like we did with You Can't Do That on Television, just did it change any from the 60s to the 80s, or did it just stay the same but become color? I used to know these words. Jerome as rather uh, goofy and not really bright, but he's very bright. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little weird that we got two uh, snow-based episodes because I feel like those must have been pretty rare because I don't remember snow ever. But it was kind of neat seeing the little uh, miniatures and stuff <laughs> and the little snowplow toy. But man, that's a perfect example of how I just don't have the mind for this is like with all of these shows we've been talking about the repetition that's where it all started because hilarious has a frightenstein is so repeaty and then you can't do that in television and then these shows like that they've been doing that that song you know we we watched two episodes that are over 20 years apart and they're still doing that song for 3,000 episodes but it's the commonality of though when you raise young children right the most popular books like for example with young children are the ones that you read again and again and again and again nursery rhymes are so repetitious but most young children don't just want to hear it once they want to hear it a thousand times yeah which again is where i just don't have the mind for it because i'd be like every year i'll give you a year but every year we're, we're doing a new song because i'm going to lose my mind <laughs> so I'd be bad. but but for young kids that is and that's how they learn to talk through repetition right. listening to you saying the same thing again and again and again so yeah the first thing i noticed on the credits of the first one is uh that uh Jerome and Rusty are the just one guy who does the puppeteering and the voice for both of them, which is, as soon as I realize that, it's obvious. You can tell how it's set up, that that's his two arms, and then you realize they never talk over each other. But I got to give him credit because I didn't realize that till I saw one name in the credits. So hey, he did a good job. And then when you watch it, knowing that, you can see how certain actions happen by one man. And that, that took quite a little effort to yeah. do that and do it so well. And again, just a similarity to Mr. Dressup, because obviously Casey and Finnegan were one person as well. But yeah, that was a, 
that uh, the, the giant really is giant. Like when they show those little teeny tiny chairs and stuff, and then his boot look way up. It's like, damn, that guy's real big. <laughs> well, I thought that was sweet. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, like the 15 minute thing is is yeah, it's great. It's gr- it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect because you really don't get bored in that 15 minute span. But if that had dragged on for another 15 minutes. Because even like the fact that we watched two, so it added up to a whole half hour, but just that they were split really helped a lot. And they were different. The first one was was about stories and reading. The second one was music. And they introduced you to all kinds of music. They just didn't say, oh, here's a piece of music that we're going to play. They introduced who did it, uh, famous artists like Mozart, Chopin. Yeah, and the musical terms uh, like Rondo stood out to me because the reason I know Rondo is because every Castlevania video game has a musical title, and one of them is called Rondo of Blood. <laughs> so. And Jerome knows how to dance a rondo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it must be weird too with uh, with the color thing. Is like uh, it must, it's like a cutoff point where they were obviously rerunning. Like if the show ended in the mid '80s, I probably saw some of them when they were new, but a lot of the ones I saw must have been reruns. But they can't really rerun those old black and white ones. Like once TV turned color, it's kind of a shame. You just got to take all the old black and white ones and never play them again. Because I would not have, I wouldn't have stood for that as a kid. I'm not watching a black and white show, even though it's the exact same show. (laughs) But once it's color, I got to have my color, you know. Well, I would have seen some of those original black and whites. Yeah, it's weird that we were both basically watching the same show. (laughs) Which is also something that, yeah, just occurred to me now watching these. Because uh, in my mind, it's always like, yeah, it's just like old guys host kid shows. It's just the way it is. But then seeing the old Friendly Giant or seeing Mr. Dress Up when he was on that Butternut Square show, it's like, oh, they didn't. The reason old men are always host these kid shows is because they used to be young men. And then they just do the show for 30 years. <laughs> yes, and they became old men. And, and, and children grew up with those and became old with them. Yeah. Yeah, in both their cases, too, and it's probably this way with, like, every single kid show guy ever. After the shows got canceled, then they went on, like, college tours because all of the kids who grew up watching them were in university at that point. So they would do, like, talks at universities to all these people that are in their 20s now that were watch them as kids. It's, it's remarkable how similar those two guys' careers it's were. It's kind of nice, too, that they, they are such quiet laid-back shows right because so much of what you see on on television especially today is got to be fast moving high action high paced but they're, they're very calming i mean you sit down and you friend of giant read you a book you sit down and you listen to four different pieces of music and it's kind of it's kind of nice yeah, there we go our because our, like, we could watch the other stuff the you know the sesame streets and the mr rogers but this this whole podcast isn't about watching kid shows. <laughs> I feel like that's that's enough. And Mr. But. Rogers actually is very close to those two in the sense that it is very calming. Yeah. And uh, you know when they get on the little train, the little it's not a, not a train, but it's the, the, little, the trolley. The little trolley. You know, ding 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 ding. Even that is slow. He's very he, he has a very calming influence on children. And actually, Whereas some of the others TV shows like Sesame Street, for example, does not hang around and do a whole lot of that calming stuff it moves very quickly scene to scene to scene i was going to say too with mr rogers that initial scene where they swoop down on mr rogers neighborhood is very similar to the friendly giant it's like you know little little toys little uh 
diorama or whatever, little cars driving around it and stuff. And when he when he goes into the his house and he has to take off his shoes and he has to go over and get his sweater and then he has to put on his sweater. You see, it's all very slow. Um, not none of this. Gotta get the shoes off. Get over there. Get the coat on. Get the coat off. Whatever. We'll get it. Sit down. No, he's very. So he he's he uses the same formula. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, you know, probably next week. I assume we'll stumble our way back to uh, British zany comedies. But yeah, so that was an interesting, though interesting little side thing. Yeah, a little break. Yeah. And, and yeah, it is just kind of nice to uh, just to. Uh, jog my memory banks a little because yeah like it seems shocking to me now that it's like how did i not remember either of those theme songs particularly the friendly giant one i mean geez you know <laughs> like they they weren't shy about it and i mean i'm sure i watched it a hundred times but you know it's been 35 years you know i just forgot so it's, it's nice that this stuff is all just kind of there if you feel like it you can reach back although that's one thing i found really strange is that my generation was the first generation where you suddenly had access to your childhood. Like back in the day, it's like Howdy Doody or whatever. You saw it, you remember liking it, and then it's gone. It's gone forever. You never see it again. Where I was a teenager when the internet hit, and it was that perfect time that instead of just remembering G.I. Joe and remembering Transformers but not having access to it anymore, here it is again. It's like the backwash right back in. And watching it when you're 16 and 17 and you're like, this fucking sucks. This, I thought this was good. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird because it's like, it's better in some ways. I think, I feel like the previous generations had it better when you don't get to watch the kids show again and realize what it was. Yeah. <laughs> you just remember. Well, certain shows will hold up and certain ones will not. Now those, those two that we watched today held up. But again, as I said at the beginning, you got to look at them as if you were looking through the eyes of a small child because that's what they were geared for. Right. Uh, a good show is one that you can look at it all these years later and say, you know what, that's a pretty damn decent show. Oh, I guess that's one last thing I'll, I'll mention too is uh, because the the puppeteering that is um, lasted more or whatever is really the Jim Henson style puppets. You know, kind of moved on to like Yoda and Star Wars and uh, Labyrinth, those movies he made in the '80s, and even the Muppet Show and stuff or Sesame Street. Quite elaborate puppetry. And uh, that is definitely one thing that is not the case in these shows. No. Casey and Finnegan and Jerome and Rusty are really simple puppets. Yeah, simple <laughs> little hand puppets yeah. and done by one guy. But, again, when you think about there's one guy running those two puppets at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's, that's guess, kind of impressive. Yeah, I guess that's the benefit to them being such simple puppets because I also saw a behind-the-scenes of Jim Henson stuff, and those are obviously much better puppets, but it's not that case at all. It's like a bunch of people just to make... Like, it's, it's amazing. That movie Labyrinth, there's like these scenes with a bunch of puppets, and it's like the whole floor is... Uh, under the floorboards are just puppeteers, tons of them. And they can't use their hands because they, they can't reach that far. They got to use weird sticks and stuff. <laughs> really complicated and better. But yeah, it's kind of kind of quaint in a way to see the, uh, although Casey is a little too simple. Like he doesn't even have eyes. He's got black <laughs> circles. He's creepy, <laughs> but, but it's fine for, you know, a giraffe or whatever. <laughs> It's true, though. Casey is just weird. Casey's personality is weird. 
Casey is a little <laughs> off-putting, but <laughs> Casey's a little, yeah, Casey's a little different. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs>